Hey, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast, episode 105. Okay. <laughs> I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. You can find us at speakersisterhood.com. And the Claim the Stage podcast is all about public speaking for women. I know. It's a theme. Today's episode is sponsored by Told Video, original, thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. Learn more at toldvideo.com. You can also listen to my episode with Rebecca Rideout, the founder of Told Video, in episode 104 if you're interested in learning more about how a video can help your business and your speaking career. On today's episode, I'm talking with Johanna Walker about this topic that comes up all the time. Now, tell me if you've ever done this. You're doing a speaking engagement, you're standing in front of a group, you're telling a story, and all of a sudden, you start to get that feeling in your throat. You get that lump, you start to feel hot, your eyes start to water, and you realize you're about to cry. What do you do? Well, here's what most people do. They apologize and they push the feelings away and they move on. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to navigate those difficult emotions on stage, how to do it correctly so you don't abandon yourself and abandon your audience, which is what most people do. I love what she has to say about staying connected, really embodying the feeling and just feeling the sensation. It's so amazing. It's so, it's so, you know, when she says, I'm like, this is so obvious, but it's not. So it's a really important episode for anybody who ever, you know, feels emotion when they speak and wants to hide it or wants to embrace it, but doesn't know how. So without further ado, my episode with Johanna Walker. Enjoy. Johanna Walker is the fear-blasting storytelling maven for coaches, consultants, leaders, and changemakers. She's the founder of Women Who Speak, a transformational speaker coaching program for female leaders, and she's the co-founder and co-host of Boulder, Colorado's popular bi-monthly story slam series, Truth Be Told. In addition to her work as a speaker and coach, Johanna has written and performed solo theater pieces that she's toured throughout the U.S. and Canada. She holds an MED from... Kent State University, an MFA from Naropa University, and is a certified whole speak public speaking coach. Johanna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the subject with you because it's one that comes up all the time. And I have my own thoughts on it, but I would love to hear more about what you do in these moments of dealing with intense emotion, how you train people to deal with it, because it is so important to be authentic and to be vulnerable and to share some you know, personal feelings and thoughts, but what do you do when it becomes too much? So I want to just start with the question, why do you think navigating difficult emotions on stage is so tough for speakers? Well, I think there are a couple different layers of difficult emotions. One is just the emotions of fear and discomfort and nerves that come up when we are speaking. And, you know, and then there's the specific emotions inside of the content as well. And I think the fear piece that is a lot of what speakers are negotiating when they're speaking is, you know, we don't get, 
there's so much messaging that so many of us have gotten so deeply just because of the culture and the way it operates that, you know, we're not enough, we're broken, we're not good enough, not smart enough, not whatever enough. And so to stand on stage and convey, you know, and say, I have something to say that I want you to hear. I have something of value that is going to make a difference in your life. And to claim that, to really own that, to stand in that kind of goes against everything that we're taught about ourselves. And so that's a bold move. And so it makes sense that fear comes up, that nerves comes up because we're, you know, we're, we're kind of contradicting the messaging that is so, so heavy and powerful in, in the culture. Yeah, I think that's such a great introduction to this conversation. And before we go any further, I want to ask you a little bit more about you and how you got into this kind of work. I was looking at your website earlier today, and you say that you're wildly creative and wacky and passionate, and you're also kind of quiet and totally get how scary it can be to speak in front of a room full of people, and that's why you do what you do. So can you share how you became a public speaking coach and how all this happened before before we move on? Yeah, I have a long story of being very, very quiet. I was very, very quiet as a young person. I would go for days sometimes without speaking. I was, my job was to figure out the right answer, to figure out what other people wanted me to think and say and do, and then to deliver. And so that was a big part of how I made sense of the world was figuring out the right answer. And if I didn't have the right answer, I didn't speak. If I wasn't 100% sure I had the right answer, I, I didn't speak. So I stayed quiet for years, really. And it was when I was a young adult, I started writing poetry. It's actually, I had written in journals for years and years and years until then, but I had this opportunity to read a poem. I actually, it was for the, I lived in Kent, Ohio. There was a 20th anniversary of the Kent State shootings. So they did this 48-hour poetry celebration, and I was invited, I thought, to read somebody else's poem. Poets sent poems from all over the world to be read at this commemoration, and I thought I was reading somebody else's poem, but they said, oh, no, we thought you were reading your own poem. So I read my own poem, which was utterly terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know, when they told me that, I wanted nothing more than to run, but I pulled a poem out of my folder. I read it. And at that point, a lot of my writing was about my story of silence. And so I read this poem and I heard my voice. I heard my voice in the microphone and I heard it fill the room and I could feel the connection with the people in the audience. I could feel them hearing me. And it was very moving and very powerful for me. And that sort of set me on a path. That set me on a creative path of really telling my story through poetry, through theater and dance, and really learning about play. I did improvisation and just a lot of finding my voice through my body and through playing, through improvisation, through storytelling, through poetry, through theater. And that was liberating and life-changing for me to allow creativity to like through creativity to connect with my voice. Mm-hmm. And what then did I have changed when, when you were able to do that? That I could relate to people. Like I was always, I always struggled finding the words and, and it was hard for me to figure out what to say in conversations, you know, and I was super, super just, just quiet and filled with a lot of shame and, to connect with my body 
through dance and improvisation was like, oh, there are so many ways to relate to people and so many ways to have a voice and so many ways to connect. So I think what I noticed that was different was just like connection was possible in ways I didn't know. Yeah. And so that topic of connection is so important. How do you teach speakers to use these emotions to connect with instead of hide from audience members? Do you have any tips for that? Well, I think a big part of it is breathing. (laughs) I mean, that's sort of the basic, that's sort of the basic foundation of it all is breathing and showing up in the moment, showing up for and with the discomfort. So I think a lot of times what happens is the emotions, whether it's, whether it's, as I said, the fear around speaking or the intensity of the content of what you're speaking, whatever it is to slow down enough to feel it, to actually experience the sensation of it. And so you're talking about when you're on stage to slow down and feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to show up for the sensation I think to show up for the sensation that what happens often we get, you know, we get stuck in some story in our head of like, you know, whatever's happening. We get into some panic mode of, oh my God, I'm, I can't remember what I was supposed to say, or they're judging me, or they're going to hate this, or I'm not prepared, or whatever the story is, our mind gets on a train and just races through that. And, you know, it's like, because we're not willing to actually feel the emotion that's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's letting go of the story in our head and then coming back to the body and the breath and just connecting with the sensation of the emotion and allow, allowing it to be energy. Hmm. So allow- what does that look like to the audience? How long is that going on? It might be going on the whole time that I'm speaking. You know, I think so much of what makes a powerful speaker is really that they're in the room with their voice and their breath and their heart and their body. And when all those things are present, there's a deeper connection that is made. And I think the audience feels it. So whatever, you know, uh, big emotion, little emotion, whatever is happening in my experience, the more I can be present with it, and track it as sensation, then the more present I am, the more connected I can be with the audience. So it's really, you know, big emotion, little emotion, whatever it is, it's all just sensation. It's all just energy. So if you're connecting to that sensation and it leads to tears and you find yourself crying in the middle of your presentation, what what should you do? Well, I think what you should not do is wipe your eyes and try to stuff the tears back in and apologize and say, Oh God, I didn't think I would cry here <laughs> or I can't believe I'm crying or anything like that. Like I, I, I don't want you to try to stuff the tears back in or apologize for the tears or try to wipe them away. The tears are energy. The tears are energy also. And so to keep allow the tears to come If you're touched by what you're sharing, that's great and that's okay. Allow the tears to keep moving. But what's important is that you stay connected to the audience. You stay in connection with the audience. You don't crumble into a puddle of tears and ask the audience to counsel you through this moment, but you allow the tears to keep moving 
as energy, the energy that they are, and stay in connection with the audience. So that's where your attention and intention is. It's in staying, staying true to that connection, allowing the tears to move, but staying in connection. Why do you think speakers apologize when they cry? Well, you know, I think it's <laughs> mental health oppression that we have been trained that crying is meant to be private. Crying means there's a problem. Crying means there's something broken about you. Crying is, you know, there's a lot of baggage around crying, again, in our, in our culture, that we don't, you know, we're trained to keep it private. Trained to tell a story about it that something's wrong. If you're crying, something's wrong. When actually, it's very human to cry, and it's very, it's energy that's moving. And when you're speaking in a room, there's a lot of energy moving between you and your audience. And it's to keep that energy moving, to keep that reciprocal energy moving, is actually quite powerful. We've been shut off from a lot of our own energy. We've been we've learned to keep it at bay. We've learned to stuff it. We've learned to tuck it in. And I'm not suggesting you get up on stage and, you know, I think there's also a difference between, as I said, I don't, I don't want, I'm not suggesting that you crumble in a puddle of tears, that you are still holding the space for the audience to be crying. So if you're telling a story that you can't get through without crying because you're still in the middle of the trauma or you're still in the middle of, of processing and making sense of the story, it's probably not a story you're ready to tell on stage. Mm. But it's important to have perspective and wisdom about the story and new insight to the story. So yeah, that the tears can be informative about where you are in processing what happened to you. Instead of pushing them down, listen to them because they're telling you something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what about if you're in the opposite boat where you you want to be vulnerable on stage and you want to create that connection through an emotional story, but you find that it's hard to get there. You're not really able to access the feelings and you feel like the only way to do it is to maybe tell traumatic childhood stories or really try to go deep with the audience. Is there is there any other strategy you could recommend to try and be vulnerable and connect with the audience that's maybe not quite as intense? Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways to be vulnerable. I think that there is this, this sort of, it's hip to be vulnerable and everybody's just like, how vulnerable can you be? And vulnerability <laughs> is like a catchphrase and like, you know, a, a, a selling point and a, a strategy for, for selling your product or whatever. And I think there are many ways to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is really just about showing up for a human connection. So for instance, for many people, simply pausing is, is vulnerable. Because when you pause, when you slow down, you feel your experience more, you feel your body more, there's empty space. And in that empty space, you actually might connect with the audience and actually connecting might feel scary and vulnerable. So being willing to slow down enough to allow some empty space can be very vulnerable. Hmm. I think it's also vulnerable for people sometimes to share thinking. You know, I know for me, like I have always been a storyteller, even, you know, I share the th 
the the part of my life where I was in theater and creativity and then later shifted to started working with business owners and and training teams and giving talks like I could always tell a story I've always been a storyteller I could always tell a story and I could always tell very vulnerable stories but actually sharing my thinking that was a different thing that was really vulnerable that I actually had an idea that I wanted you to consider that is you know that I could stand in this idea and say I have a an idea that I want to share with you that can be very vulnerable for people yeah. So I think it's very personal. Vulnerability is very personal and unique. We all have our comfort zones and we all have the things that take us out of our comfort zones. And yeah. when you're willing to go out of your comfort zone, that's vulnerable. Yeah. And you say that speakers should tell stories that take them to their edge. So I think in some sense that is outside of their comfort zone. Why do you say they should do that? Yeah. Well, I think that... One, because there's something about going to your edge. I think when you're willing to go to your edge and go outside of your comfort zone and, and you know, share content that feels a little bit risky, like you're not sure how people are going to respond, what happens is it invites you to dig deeper into your well of resource, your inner well of resource and presence and to call on that part of yourself to rise up and to show up. And once you do that, once you, you have to dig into that well to be able to stand in this more edgy story, it just means you're bringing more of yourself to the stage. And that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is, I do, this, I do this program called Women Who Speak where we're actually crafting and delivering talks and one of the things I didn't ask you if I was if I was if it was okay if I use a bad word but (laughs) you can use a bad word (laughs) I don't know what to call it but we called it it was like we're doing this dig I'm working with this group of women and we're doing this dig and one of the women says oh fuck and she and it became she's like oh fuck that's the story I have to tell and we called it a fuck nugget so it's like finding the story where you kind of hit gold, but it's like, oh no, that's the story I have to tell. Uh, and there's no story you ever have to tell, of course, but telling that story that feels like an edge to you, like I said, it calls up more of you, but also what really is important is that it's probably a story that is going to make a difference to somebody else. Mm-hmm. If it's an edge for you, it's probably a story that somebody else needs to hear. And that's ultimately why we tell our stories is yeah. because somebody else needs to hear them. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's usually if it's something that ha- that might be attached to a little bit of shame or fear in yourself, that means there's somebody else who's feeling the same thing and will benefit from your story. Yeah, I started telling the story of why I was so shy growing up. And that was about me being tall and feeling different and weird and wanting to disappear to avoid being bullied and made fun of. And I tell the story a lot now. And what I notice is people who are not tall, people who are short or people who were overweight as teenagers or whatever, come up to me after my talk and say, I felt the same exact way as you. And I responded the same way by disappearing. And now hearing your story, I'm realizing I don't have to keep disappearing. I can do something different. And 
That story definitely took me to my edge because I was so embarrassed about feeling embarrassed about being tall (laughs) that I didn't want anyone to know how much I hated myself. But as soon as I started telling everyone that story, everyone was coming up to me saying, I feel the same way. And I was like, I'm so glad I said that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had a story that I told a story or gave a talk about my, my journey around not having children which was very, very vulnerable and very, very private and very, very personal. And I was invited to give a talk about how I walked, walked the edge, how I walked the edge. And for me, this was an edge walk for me because I had always thought I would be a mother. I had always thought I would have children and do the thing that I thought everybody was supposed to do. And I didn't. And to tell this story was very personal. And I had the same experience of people approaching me and saying that wasn't my story but I could you know feel the vulnerability and the edge and I have a story to tell too like something about the the way that we show up in our stories is a big part of what we're sharing not necessarily just the content of the story but the way we show up to take risks and be vulnerable is a big part of what we're sharing Yeah, absolutely. So what if you're in the kind of profession where you speak a lot and you want to build that emotional connection with your audience, but you're required to talk about things that don't really allow you to go there, like technical data, or, you know, you're sharing research findings. Is there a way to infuse emotion so you can create more of a connection with your audience? I think there is. I think there is. I'm not a technical data scientist. So, but I work with a lot of people who are, and I think there's always a way to give the data context that a big part of what makes it, what makes people hear it is when they have context and a story is context. So to be able to, to be able to tell a story that gives the data meaning is probably going to help them understand the data or even create an analogy, some way to give the data meaning. So it's not just numbers, but it's in a context of actual human people living life and uh, creating meaning. And so anytime you're telling a story, there's emotion there, there's humanity there. And I think to, you know, just to put the data in the context of a story is how you can bring your emotion and your humanity into any presentation. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, again, even when you're presenting technical data, slowing down, pausing, feeling yourself in the room, your human person, your actual body in the room is going to create a deeper connection. Do you have any tips for when you should share emotional stories in your speech in terms of the beginning, the middle, the end, or is it really about what makes sense for that talk? I think it's definitely about what makes sense for the talk because you can certainly just like, boom, right off the bat, go into a story, just, just like start like the cold open, you know, (laughs) just like, boom, deep dive right away. And then definitely there's also like, okay, I'm going to slowly build a relationship with my audience and lean into a bigger story that I'm telling at the middle that I'm, you know, I'm taking them on a journey and, and sort of holding their hand as we go into deeper territory. And then at the end, it can be very valuable to, to leave on a note of, you know, of power and transformation and taking your story to the end. So it really, it really 
can be anywhere. I don't think there's a rule, and it's really how how it serves the message, ultimately how it serves the message, and how it leads your audience where you want to lead them. Mm-hmm. Do you see any mistakes people make uh, when they're trying to add emotion to their speech? I think the biggest mistake probably is trying to add emotion to your speech. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to add emotion, then it might not need to be there. I think it's more about connecting to what's true and connecting to your own humanity and connecting to the humanity of the people in the audience. And in that connection, that opens the door perhaps for, for more emotional content. But I don't think it's necessary ever to force it. Mm-hmm. you know, or try to add it. I think if you add it in, then that's, there's something inauthentic about that, but it's really about showing up for the connection and allowing, allowing to arise whatever arises. Yeah. I love that distinction. Is there an action step you would, you would offer to listeners that they could take as soon as they finish listening to this episode, if they were putting together a speech, thinking about what we're talking about here today? I would say, I think because people, everybody is on their own path, their own speaking journey, and each person is on a different place on the path, a different place in their journey. And I think it's easy for all of us to kind of get stuck a little bit where we are. We find something that's comfortable. We find something we're pretty good at. We kind of good at, we get, we can get stuck there. So I think, I think the invitation would be to really identify where you are on the journey and where you want to go. So it's, it's to celebrate, to really celebrate what you have done so far, where, what are the steps that you have taken in the direction of where you want to go? So really clarifying, what do you want as a speaker? Why do you want to speak? Why does it matter to you? What is this message you care so much about delivering? So you're really clear about the goal. You're really clear about where you've come from and you, you, you get to celebrate that. And then the action step would be identify the next thing that's going to be scary, the thing that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. What's the next thing that you can do? It doesn't have to be big drama, just a baby step that's going to that's gonna take you, start to take you out of your comfort zone in the direction of the big goal, the big thing that you want. That speaking is serving to you. Yeah. Then figure out how to, how to take that step. I think the more we get out of our comfort zone, the, the bigger we get. I teach a, a program called the Speaker's Playground, which is, I call it Johanna style Toastmasters. And one of the rules is go before you're ready. And so, I, you know, whenever I ask for a volunteer, I expect every hand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally That's agree. true in, in life, you know, go before you're ready and the ground will rise up to meet you or it won't, but you're going to learn something. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a good action step. What's the, what's going to be uncomfortable? Go do that. All right. We're going to jump into the lightning round questions. I ask every guest. The first question is if you were given an extra $100 per week, what would you do with it? I've been thinking about this and I don't know. It's hard. I, I will say that I'm a, I, I am a YNAB 
I'll do a little commercial for YNAB. It's my budgeting platform that I use that have com has completely transformed my relationship to money. So I would go into YNAB and put it in a bucket. And I think the bucket I would put it in is my trip to New York with my niece, my beloved. Uh, she's a college student in musical theater. And we went to New York together a couple of years ago to see some Broadway shows and we want to go back. And so I put the $100 in my trip to New York fund to be able to go see Broadway shows with my niece. Sounds good. Number two, what's your favorite word and what does it taste like? Oh, my favorite word. That is such a hard question. I would say possibility. Possibility. Mm. Possibility or serendipity. Mm. Oh, they both end with itty. Possibility. I love possibility just because it tastes like possibility. It tastes like <laughs> open windows and sky and and endless endless creativity it tastes like there's always a door you know a path ahead of me it tastes like just yumminess it opens my heart when i say the word possibility i just feel wings feel yeah. wings grow out my scapula <laughs> <laughs> number three what does it mean to you to claim the stage i would say it means literally it means getting on stage and and being willing to show up as I am, fully who I am without apology, being willing to show my cracks and, you know, and imperfections, my quirkiness, and to really, really stand in the power of who I am without apology. Mm on stage and then also in my life i would say to show up in my life that i'm always showing up in my life as myself without apology in every relationship in every in every situation in every opportunity oh, without nice. apology yeah is there anything you're working on right now that you'd like to share with my audience well i'm working on a tedx talk oh what's yeah. that about it's uh, it's about the talk is called Where Stories Live, Honoring Our Body's Wisdom, Honoring Your Body's Wisdom. And it's about how we will dismantle the patriarchy by not sucking our bellies in. Mm. That's pretty much the gist of it. Yes. <laughs> showing, you know, like really showing up in, in our bodies fully and speaking the truth. And that's how we dismantle the oppression that has kept us silent and small. Yes, I love it. Where can we find more information about you and your services? Well, I'm uh, johannawalker.com is my website. I also have, uh, I'd love to share with your, your people. I just have a class on, it's a video class online that includes a document for crafting your signature talk. And it takes you through the, how I've identified the three key elements you need to have a powerful change-making talk. So I'd be happy to share that with your people. I can share the link with you. Yeah, that would be great. I will put that in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today and talking about this important subject. I loved your insights and your advice. And I think everyone can walk away with at least a few things here that could help to create a stronger connection with their audience. Great. It's been a delight to talk to you. There you have it. My episode and interview with Johanna Walker. Isn't she great? I love how 
her her comments are so profound yet the way she states them it's like very simple just do this it's like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i hope you found a couple action steps you can take to start trying something different in your speaking approach and again today's episode was sponsored by told video original thoughtful storytelling for your brand here to help you with your next step in marketing a meaningful video let your story out into the world get it told learn more at toldvideo.com if you like today's episode please consider leaving a review and rating the the episode episode on iTunes. It does help more people find the show and it's a nice way to say thanks. Thanks for doing all this work and you're welcome. I love doing it. We have so much more to come. Lots more guests, more topics. If there's someone you want me to interview, if there's a topic I haven't covered that you want to hear, please email me. I'm open to your suggestions. You're my friends, right? You're my peeps. You can email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. That does it for me this week, you guys. I hope you're all having a great week getting out there and speaking, trying new things, getting out of your comfort zone and seeing what you're capable of. Because as always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.